I think I learned a lot just by A, putting myself around people who were very knowledgeable and picking yeah. their brain at all times. B, having great mentors, that helps always. Um, and I think the third thing is, just like with any craft that you pursue, you need to try as much as possible to be obsessed by it. Today, we're interviewing Manu Goswami, but better known as Swish. Swish is the founder of Superfan Inc., executive board member at Dunk, business development associate at JB Fitzgerald Venture Capital, youth editor on LinkedIn, and TEDx speaker. And guess what? He's only 20 years old. Hey, this is Origins Magazine. I'm Britt, and I'm joined with Ali and Steph right here from Origins as well. And our guest today is Swish. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Awesome, awesome. All right, so to start off the interview, how did you start your journey into becoming top 20 under 20, um, starting your own companies? I was born in Singapore, and uh, Singapore was a great time, very fun place, very lighthearted, at the same time very competitive because I had a brother who did everything twice as fast as I did, and uh, always wanted to catch up, always wanted to beat him. Um, we always had a healthy competition, we love each other, we're a number one supporter of each other, but just having that mere presence of somebody who was trying to outcompete you at every moment was so great to have when you're younger. Um, in Singapore, I didn't really do much. Like, I ate a lot of great food, had a lot of fun at McDonald's and, like, birthday parties there, because that's a thing, apparently. Um, and uh, I started a company, though, when I was leaving Singapore with my father, which was a hovercraft business, and we basically took Habakelis, which are remote-controlled rechargeable helicopters, broke the styrofoam base down, put the rotor and motor into a new styrofoam base, and sold it. And uh, we sold it for $200. That was nice money to have when you're nine. And I bought a Nintendo DS, <laughs> bought the Super Mario Bros. expansion pack, and pretty much my entrepreneurial journey like started and ended there um, for a while. Um, and so I came to Canada, like I just put myself in a number of situations, was in dance classes, was doing a lot of weird debating stuff, was going and like trying to write my own comic books and write my own stories and just be as creative as possible. At the same time, like given the fact that being in Singapore, I didn't really have to concentrate on school for a long time because, you know, these kids have it pretty easy here in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and Singaporean kids and eight, the Asian education system is far ahead, leaps and bounds ahead when it comes to the level that they teach at and how fast they teach that at. Um, and so it was only about 14 or 15 when I really started concentrating in school. I was also going into high school and joined a program called Junior Achievement. Went through, started a couple of nonprofits, started really getting my name you know, put out there through a number of awards and stuff like that. Um, which always helps also in terms of giving back and being able to talk about issues I'm really passionate about. Um, but then I think my entire life kind of took a 180 and for a really good way in my opinion. A lot of times people say that in a bad way, but this actually was like a 180 upwards. I'm really bad with geometry, my bad. Um, I shouldn't probably say that. Uh, anyways, <laughs> 180 upwards, let's go with that. And Trevor Booker, a basketball player from the Brooklyn Nets, DM me on Instagram, was like, yo, I'm going to come play the Raptors, I'd love to meet. I was like, all right, cool, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to turn you down. Um, and so we met for dinner before we played the Raptors on January 13th. And uh, he had a dinner with me. He was like, I love your entrepreneurship past. I love everything you're doing. I'd love to work with you. And I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, I'm, I'm down for whatever, man. You just tell me, like, you want me to play on the Nets? I'll play on the Nets. Like, you know, you know of course, that's a joke. But, um, you know, a month after, like, I submitted a proposal for a wearables company that my partner, my high school debate partner, and I really wanted to build. He approved it, he funded us, we built it out, and that's where I moved to New York maybe about four months ago to license the product out and to work with him on a venture capital firm and to be able to just try as much as possible to live out a young entrepreneur's life in the most real way possible. In my opinion, the hardest city in the world to live in, so yeah. 
Wow. How did, he, how did he find you? Uh, Instagram. So I commented on someone's profile, a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, good friend, good mentor. He basically like liked it and the entire Vayner Nation, quote unquote, started liking that comment. Um, and yeah, Trevor just saw the comment, clicked on my profile, and that's apparently what he thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when, at that time, did you have like a big Instagram following? Or no, was it like, oh, no, wow. not at all. Uh, I mean, I had like a decent profile, and you know, I think I put a bit of my accomplishments still in my bio, but at the same time, I linked my website, which is where he started really seeing my like stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, again, like a lot of people are like, oh, you got lucky. I don't think I did. I think I positioned myself to be lucky, you know meeting Gary in August set me up to be able to comment on his profile which set me up to get a like from him which set me up to get the Vayner Nation to like it which set me up for Trevor to be able to see it right it's all about the stepping stones that came before um, but people don't talk about that yeah. <laughs> for sure <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you since you started your entrepreneurial journey from a really really young age do you find it difficult for people to take you seriously at a young age and yeah. how did you overcome that yes yeah. and no yes and no I mean now I think it's pretty easy like um you know, I think at a certain point when you've done a bit, people start to recognize that, they respect it, which is nice. Um, I still, of course, get people, though, who might not take me seriously just when they hear the word entrepreneur and when they see a 20-year-old, they're like, no, nah, this guy did not start something meaningful. But at the same time, you know, I think early on, it was all just about me ignoring the voices that didn't care. Um, I think there's a plenty amount of beautiful, wonderful, lovely adults out there that we can all cater to who do want to hear from young people, who do want to go and invest in us. And so if you concentrate on those people, ignore the other people, you know, eventually when you start to build your credibility, that all comes from work. Um, and that's something everyone can put in. So do, what is your work-life balance? Do you have a work-life balance? <laughs> that exist? Or is it just work? I think it's work right now. Uh, so it is, it is very unhealthy. It is not something that I think is ideal. Um, at the same time, though, I, I'm not saying like that in, in, a, in to be like, oh, like, oh, well, freaking entrepreneur's life this is, right? Because I, I know like a bunch of entrepreneurs that have an incredible work-life balance. They find a way to go and like do whatever they want on the weekends and stuff. I still chill with my friends. I love going out normally. I love going to get a beer with people. Um, but eventually those conversations normally revolve around business and revolve around work. Um, and they don't revolve around, you know, let's just, you know, open a, open a cold one, if you will, and like they say in Kingston or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> uh, and you know, like it's never like that. It's not casually opening a beer. It's like, there is a reason why we're sitting down here to talk. Um, and so yeah, at the same time, I definitely want like that work-life balance, but I think if you ever want anything, you need to sacrifice a lot. And right now I'm doing that. And I feel like it's not a big sacrifice to make it 20 as opposed to doing it at 40 or something. So yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Are you planning to finish your school? Uh, yeah, so I do want to, I do intend to finish school. I finished two years at the University of Toronto so far. Um, the question, however, is where to transfer to. So I'm currently planning to transfer to Columbia, uh, mm -hmm. as well as the New York Film Academy and Lee Strasberg, which is a method acting school. Mm -hmm. um, the main intention behind it is around 24, 25, I want to pivot to entertainment. Uh, the dream job beyond going into politics and running for top office would be legitimately being like a political show commentator. Um, so having like a show where you do satirical commentary like John Stewart, John Oliver, that would be freaking awesome. Um, but we'll see how far that comes, but I feel like I can set up the pieces right now instead of doing a degree that like absolutely has nothing to do with my life. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It's amazing yeah. how like you go through one path and you're like, nah, maybe not. And then you yeah. pivot and yeah. it like still works together. Like all of your paths yeah, kind of work so up like, I think yeah. it's also just because I'm comfortable doing that. Yeah. I think a lot of times we overstress on problems that we make bigger than they actually are. Mm -hmm. um, the fact is, if you're young and you're going to college, you're already beating out 95% of young people in the world. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so to have that luxury to be able to choose what I want to do, I want to be able to put myself in the best situation. And even if that means going to a sub-tier school in Nebraska, I'll do it if the program was really, really good and I like the people there. Mm -hmm. All right, so what has been your biggest failure so far and mm -hmm. how did you overcome it? Um, I think twofold. One is, I, I, and I mentioned this when we first met at, mm -hmm. at the uh, F-word nights. I don't know if I can swear. I already oh, did yeah, swear right? I did swear once. I already said the president. All right, fuck up nights. <laughs> Great. Um, when we met at that event. And, and so one of the things that I did very early on was um, become a bit too bossy when I was younger. And um, uh, I lost a couple of really, really good friends just by being 16, 17 and being a bit too bossy. And um, not caring about what other people's feelings were like and just pushing my own agenda, my own dream, my own vision the entire time. Um, and so I've hope you know, and this is one thing which I'm happy about, which is I mended ways. I've, some of those people are now my best friends and that's good. But at the same time, that period about a year or two was like extremely, um, something I'm probably not proud about uh, and something I don't want to go back to um, because I just don't think I felt good inside and I don't think I was treating people well but at the same time that's definitely the biggest failure beyond that of course there's just so many like micro <laughs> failures along the way yeah. I mean you know anything from like fuck I forgot my toothbrush and I was traveling to no, to, uh, <laughs> to like I actually like didn't said I like give an NDA out to an investor before showing them our idea and not protecting us like anything like that it happens all the time so what is one thing that's not talked about in entrepreneurship enough? Uh, failures. Just like, you know, I think Michelle Romanow also said something two days or three days ago on Instagram where she was like, people just need to talk about failures a lot more. There are a lot of young people rushing into entrepreneurship not knowing what the hell it is. Um, just watching YouTube videos and people just, you know, like Ty Lopez, freaking idiots like that, watching them and just being like, oh, it's all about the lifestyle and you get to choose your hours and you get to like work whenever you want and do the projects you like and all of this great liberty. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, I guess you do get to pick the bigger vision, but in order to get there, you're, you're technically quitting a 40 hour job to work an 80 hour one. So yeah, pretty true. insane. Yeah. So yeah. I just generally think people need, need to talk about how realistic it is and be the failures associated to entrepreneurs. I would highly encourage a lot of them being vulnerable and being very open about sharing that anywhere, including mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Um, what is your definition of entrepreneurship? Uh, the ability to take any idea that you have in your mind to be able to put that in reality. Mm -hmm. that, that happens any, in any idea, right? Like it doesn't matter. You don't have to start an app. Like everyone thinks that's all about tech these days, but I love social entrepreneurship. It's how I got my start. Um, I started two nonprofits in high school over causes I was really passionate about, and that's how I learned about business. Mm -hmm. And how did you gain all of your entrepreneur uh, knowledge? Because it seems like for a twenty-year-old, you know so much. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 so I, I thank you for like that's a great compliment. I, I really don't like think so when I compare myself to some other people I know. But at the same time, I think I learned a lot just by a putting myself around people who were very knowledgeable and picking yeah. their brain at all times, be having great mentors, that helps always. Um, and I think the third thing is, just like with any craft that you pursue, you need to try as much as possible to be obsessed by it. And so early on when I was starting my nonprofit, that I'd, I'd watch a bunch of videos. Like I'd watch everything out there on nonprofits, structuring out the legalities, fundraising, everything, right? Um, and so the more and more I know, the more competent I can sound when I, you know, I'm in front mm -hmm. of an investor and they're asking me, well, like a 501c3, like what is that? And I'm like, oh shit, what is that? And like, I don't even know it's a nonprofit, so yeah. So how do you handle burnout? Uh, I have, okay, so that's a weird thing, which is I actually have not burned out in the last year. 
I think I'm close. I'm definitely getting there again. But I, the last time I burnt out was before I moved to university. Um, I was like really paranoid about applications. I had school for high school. I went to like a university prep school too, which was you know accelerated program. Um, and I was working on my nonprofit. I was dancing. I was playing basketball. I was playing cricket. I just could not handle all of that and burned out. And what I basically did was take the next week and just did nothing. I did absolutely nothing. I spent my time at home and I took down and put a list of everything I was doing on a list and literally crossed off things that I generally did not see a future in, um, which is a harsh reality, which was like basketball. I'm like, fuck, I'm not making the NBA. Like, <laughs> let's take that off for now. Um, cricket. Yeah, I'm not moving to India. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, and I just had to check off a bunch of things that I generally did not see myself doing in the long run at a high level. Um, and now I really want to come back to it because I think I can do it as like a leisurely activity, mm -hmm. um, a lot of those things. But at that time, I knew that my burnout was because I was stretching myself way too thin. And if I can concentrate my time on things I know I can really do at a high level, that's the best advice I could give to people. Um, so on top of that, what are three pieces of advice you'd give to someone that wants oh, to be in your position? God. Three pieces of advice. Uh, one, I think know yourself. It's a hard piece of advice to give, but the reason why I want to pursue method acting or the reason I actually want to go to film school beyond anything else is primarily because they teach you more about yourself. Like method acting, the whole construct of it is taking your experiences, your life, your journey, whatever it is, and matching that to the character you're playing. Um, just doing something like that gives me goosebumps because like, holy crap, you would find out so much about what you like, what you don't like, what you really want to do, what you don't really want to do, what your fears are, what your strengths are. Like if the more and more you know and the more you question that, like who am I, do I like what I'm doing, where do I want to be every single week, every single day, the better off you're going to be. And it's something that can't just be forced, right? You can't write it in your notes or like a reminder being like, question who you are, like on your reminder, that'd be kind of weird. Um, so I think it has to be something subconscious, something that you put on yourself and then you constantly remind yourself off. Um, the second thing is try to do many things at once. Uh, and you know, of course this kind of contradicts what I said about burning out earlier, but if you don't know what you want to do, the best thing you can do is put yourself in a number of situations and experience a bunch of things. Um, and there's no timeline. I feel like people get pressured whenever they talk to me. It's like, oh, this guy's like 20, he's doing so much. It's like, I, w I sometimes wish that I could have that college experience that everyone loves. Like my dad loved college. He went to like this incredible school in, in Buffalo and was like, oh, I'm not a frat boy, I wouldn't say that on public camera, like, you know, he was like a drinker and, and he loved partying and I, lo I would love to have that experience and mm -hmm. at the same time, like, of course, it's a sacrifice to not be able to do that, but generally I feel like a lot of people add way too much pressure on themselves to do things quickly and be like a 22, 23, 24 year old millionaire. Like, things like that happen once every maybe 10,000, even more, probably 100,000 people, right? Um, what I think people should concentrate on is spending as many years learning, not forgetting to learn, but continuously putting themselves in a number of situations, finding out what they liked, surrounding themselves with a great community, then moving forward. Last piece of advice is if you do fuck up, tell people about it. Don't be afraid to do that. And then uh, what can young people do in order to set them up for success? 
Young people, I mean, kind of like some of the things are overlapping from what I just said in terms of the three pieces of advice, but mm -hmm. if I was young right now, um, I mean, I am sure, fuck, my God, I always, like, I'm thinking of 12-year-olds when I talk about this, <laughs> but, you know, of course, like, still young, university student, whatever, like, if you're 12 to 20, 12 to 25, the recommendation I would give, and again, I'm not in any position to give you any recommendation, you do you, if you don't want to go to college, don't go to college, if you want to do whatever, do whatever. But the biggest advice I would give is, as much as possible, start leveraging social media to just connect with as many people. Um, the minute I started using LinkedIn was not when I created a profile, which was in 2015. The minute I started using LinkedIn was about eight, seven months, eight months ago now, when I sent out my first in-mail to a person that I really wanted to talk to. And that person was named Lewis House, who has a great podcast, is very well connected in SF. He replied to me, I interviewed him, and I started doing a series on LinkedIn. And that's the biggest advice I'd give to any young person. If you want to meet people, start an interview, podcast, a series, whatever, like you guys yeah. are doing, you'll meet great people, you'll provide value to your audience, and at the same time, sometimes people feel like they owe you something. So they're more willing to help you take that coffee meeting, give you a favor if you've already provided them value beforehand by interviewing them, spotlighting them, giving them your story. 99% of people love talking about themselves, including me. Um, so specifically, like, we talked about how you scaled your platform. So I want to talk about, like, what you think the balance is between quality content versus distribution of that content. Right. So you use LinkedIn as your main medium, right? Mm -hmm. So what other mediums, like, do you use? And do you find that, you know, for instance, posting five times a day with quality content is Great. better than, you know, having... Yep one thing and just posting it like yeah. there or whatever. So my disclaimer off the bat would be, again, you do you. I mean, I there are a bunch of posts always like, oh, I hate people who like space out their posts or whatever. I also do, by the way, but if you if it's working for you, go ahead and do it. I just hate it because I find it annoying. <laughs> like, And I think I'm allowed to say that. Um, you know, if you find that posting at 5 p.m. works for you, post at 5 p.m. I don't personally think there's a time to post on LinkedIn. I literally made a post at 4 a.m. today that's doing fairly, fairly well. And I think the reason why is at the end of the day, authenticity comes across. Um, if you are a person that genuinely cares about the message you're trying to put forward, it will come across in the way that you express that. You know, you're, you're not going to care about the freaking formatting when you need to get something off your chest. You're just going to write it down. And those are the best posts, in my opinion, to be able to share on LinkedIn. That being said, though, I think when I started off, I posted three times a day. Um, that was just when I started off trying to build up my audience. I posted one that was something very informative. Mm -hmm. So every time I shared an article, I included my original commentary to it. I don't know why people don't. Like, I'm not trying to, like, read your profile to be the next Bloomberg. Like, I can go on Bloomberg and read articles if I really wanted to. The reason I'm looking at an article that you shared is because I want to know what you think about it, why you shared it, and what you took away from it. The second mm -hmm. thing is posting something that's inspirational. Whenever I say that, people are like, ooh, inspirational, cliche quotes. No, that's not the only thing. You can share quotes, but I would more importantly share stories of people you do know or people you don't know. Like people that you find admirable, share a quick like paragraph about their story, especially if you know them. That's another way to provide value off the front is if you want to meet someone, get a coffee with them, go about taking their story and sharing it to your audience before you go and reach out to them. The third thing, past inspirational, which is what I think I shine on, is personal anecdotes. So taking experiences in your life, putting them into nuggets, sharing them to the world, because at the end of the day, if you want to grow an audience over a long period of time, you need to rely on one single word, which is community. Community will save you, especially when you're going through terrible times in your life, especially when you're getting hated on, which minority of people I bet don't like what I'm doing on LinkedIn, maybe even more, who knows, but there are people who've expressed it sometimes, your community will go bash them for you. <laughs> like 
on LinkedIn, not not <laughs> not physically. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, but on LinkedIn, right? They'll have your back throughout. So having that community just it makes you feel not only great about yourself, but at the same time, it makes you feel valued in a system that's so big and so noisy and so crowded. So what do you believe is the best way to reach out to influencers? Mm-hmm. Um, well, DMs on Instagram, highly undervalued. Um, you know, if you constantly, if you're persistent, right? Like the overarching thing is being persistent. You got to follow up. I literally, I think I give you a case example. Two months ago, I reached out to a guy called Jack Armstrong on LinkedIn, which is my second big place to reach out to people as LinkedIn past Instagram DMs. The guy messaged me back being like, Swish, love your hustle, but I can't really talk right now. Can you reach back at the end of November? I sent him a DM again this morning. Sent him a DM again this morning being like, hey, on LinkedIn, by the way, like we spoke and you told me to reach out at the end of November. Here I am, right? The reason why is because I make notes of all of that. And I'm very organized when it comes to reaching out to people and following up. So that's one way. The second way is try to provide good content. If you provide good content, people will be attracted to you. Um, It's all about context, right? When I go and talk to someone, how do I want to position myself? Do I want to position myself as a 15-year-old kid or do I want to position myself as a 15-year-old professional who's interested in a number of areas, who has some competency in blank, 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 and who shared content about that? And if you can think about content on your own, share other people's content. At least you're sharing something and you're trying to get a discussion going. And that's how you attract people to you. It's like a honeybee situation. I think not really that analogy fell. That's no, a terrible thing to mean. say. We get you yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I was just like, wait, that was so cool. And then I'm like, no, no. it wasn't. That was terrible. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> we'll try not to judge you for it. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. The honeybee thing does not work. Clarification. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So final question. Yeah. Um, so we have a slogan at Origins called Be The Now. Mm-hmm. And so we're wondering what that means to you. Oh, God. Be The Now. That is a deep question. <laughs> No, I think there's two things. One is, I think, living in the moment. Um, I think that's probably something I struggle at and I really want to get better at. So I definitely want to be able to value each and every single day, every single second, and not continue planning for 10, 20 years down the road. I think that's good to do once, which is called a New Year's resolution, and then you stop doing that. (laughs) Um, The second thing, be the now, is I generally think being the now would be being the best person you can be at any given moment of your life. and that's, some, that's something that's great, it's cliche, but at the same time, if you put that into your head that you have the ability to not maybe mold other people's life off the bat, you know, of course you have to provide them content, you have to bring them in that community, you have to share things, you have to really connect to them, but the first person that you can mold and change is yourself, that is just such a great feeling to be able to have, which is I could wake up at 8 a.m. today and work out. I could do that. What's stopping me? my mind, my laziness, and maybe when I went to bed, (laughs) right? Are those factors that could probably be changed? Yes. And I'm sympathetic to people that might be gridlocked, that might not feel like they have the ability to change a lot of their life, but I would highly encourage you to look at that again, which is a lot of times, again, people make problems a lot bigger than they are, and they try to put themselves into a box when they're trying to get free, which is if you're trying to get free, look past the box and see the opportunities that other people have been able to catch onto and look at talking to them or being able to go after what they're trying to go after too. Well, thank that you was, so that much. That was awesome. No, it was really fun. Thank you. And actually, you guys woke me up. Like, I, at the start, I was telling everyone, by the way, and if you're listening, which if you're listening by now, please do reach out to me. You guys are awesome. Um, I was telling them I'm really sleepy and I just kind of woke up in the process of doing this. So thank you for, for coming no and doing this. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Our pleasure. Our pleasure. <laughs>